Leafs have won it. They're going to the second round. This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. Holy Mackinac! This is D. To D. With Koliakovo. And Corrado. With Aaron Karolnik. Ooh, nah, nah. What's my That's name? Crash into me. Just imagine the sweat pouring off of Al's brother's body. Motoring. Nice. That's a tough one. We not edit the sweat pouring out of Al's brother's body, out of that introduction. I mean, it's a very, very difficult thing to process at 8.41 in the morning. Unfortunately, our <laughs> audience was subjected to it, and it is Al's brother's birthday this weekend, so we want to wish our friend Al's hey. brother a very happy early birthday. I did. I it's tomorrow. I did find out how old he is. And the answer? Take a guess. I think we said 30, 29. No? Sorry, there was two answers there. What do we say? 30 is my guess. 30 is my guess. I'm saying 29. 29 is correct. Frankie Corrado, you're a pigeon, AK. You don't know your friend's birthday. Your roommate's birthday. Hey, get to know your friends, pal. My roommate's birthday. Yeah, Al's brother's throwing a big-time shaker. My understanding is that you were not invited. Frankie Corrado, who joins us now, how do you feel about that? I I don't think I was invited either. So, Mm. um, yeah, what are you going to do? I thought Al's brother was a friend of mine. Turns out he is. You're mistaken. You got better Thanks, things Fred. to do over the weekend. Bit better things to do over the weekend, <laughs> including on Friday night. Like watch the Toronto Maple Leafs in person down at Scotiabank Arena. It's a game you can hear right here on TSN 1050. So, if your level of optimism on the Leafs coming back in this series was, let's say, a two out of ten this time yesterday, Frank, what is it this morning after seeing what they did in game number four? Let's bring it up to four out of ten, AK. Ooh. And I just keep picturing that scene in Dumb and Dumber where Lloyd Christmas is saying, so you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> like, that's that's what it is right now. It's Lloyd Christmas with a Maple Leafs logo on his forehead. And, listen, that was a very desperate game that they played. There was a lot of urgency. They blocked a ton of shots. They won a lot of battles. And we, we always talk about how people think you can just set a lineup or put some structure in place and have a strategy. Players are not robots. If the players don't execute and do what they need to do, all that stuff goes out the window. And last night was one of those nights where everyone did what they need to do. The only thing that maybe you would leave that game thinking is there's a little more to be desired is you would like to score more than two goals at some point in this series. But with that being said, they certainly made up for it with their urgency, with their block shots. I thought the goaltender was excellent. Um, that's that's an effort that that team can be proud of, and it's an effort that can start to lead to some belief they can win the series. Well, you gotta look you got to look at something to break the ice, right? And the icebreaker was you finally won a game in this series. Um you know, you finally got a bounce in this series. I mean, the goal that Nylander scored was definitely a favorable bounce in their favor. And I guess my question to you, Frankie, is, like I said it earlier, sure, what I'm curious to see going into Game 5 right now is not so much what the Leafs bring because we saw a level of desperation that you hope carries over, but how does Florida respond now after a loss, sure. after everything's been going you know, so well for them over six games where they literally thought they were unbeatable. 
Yeah. I mean, listen, they were due for a loss. They won six games in a row coming right. into last night. But Brovsky's been playing well, and I thought he had another good game last night. And you know the conversations we've been having about the Leaf star players and where have they been, where's the production been? That conversation, if they were doing first up down in Fort Lauderdale, they could be having that conversation about Matthew Kachuk at this point. Well, like I think he said it. He said it best himself. He's like, I don't know why they're freaking out up there. Like I haven't scored either. And watching that game last night, that that wasn't the Matthew Kachuk that um, you know imposed his will early on in the series. He was in the middle of everything. Um, so the same conversations can be had both ways. It shows you what a delicate balance it is with these star players and how hard it is to, to produce and be that kind of factor every single night. But you're right, Carlo, because they've been talking about how, Oh, there's no pressure on us. You know, we're happy to be here and you know, we're just, we're just doing our thing. Well, guess what, man, you want to finish out a series and you want to put a team that is better than you away it's going to be hard to win that fourth game. And the longer the Leafs keep this thing close and fighting their way back in it and blocking shots and battling and uh, making saves at key times, getting that back check from Nylander or Tavares, like those are the kinds of things that, that start to frustrate the Panthers. And you just hope that that turns into a snowball effect. And then Florida turns into one of these teams that says, okay, like we're frustrated now and we're feeling the heat. But ultimately, that's going to be up to Toronto to instill that because if Florida has an opportunity to play a free wheeling fast paced kind of game, then all the, the hard work that the Leafs did in game four basically is, is all for nothing. Frank Corrado is our guest here on first stop. You're listening to TSN 1050, the end of both games last night, Toronto and Florida and Vegas and Edmonton got real frisky. We saw Darnell nurse go straight over and, <laughs> and, and, and fill a Nick Hag with, uh, with a bunch of rights. And in Toronto, yeah. it was a huge scrum. Morgan Riley gets hit and, Matthew Kachuk's trying to fight Mitch Marner. I want to play this Mitch Marner clip about what happened at the end of the game where Kachuk was basically taking advantage of him. He's ragdolling him like Zdeno Chara did, Brian McCabe, all those years ago. Mitch Marner was not a fan of uh, what Matthew Kachuk did, and here's how it sounded. Well, I know exactly what he's going to try to do, so just stay uh, poised and you know, don't really give a flying, uh, you know, what the nurse words. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I know, he caught man. himself. It was close. What was your take on what happened at the end of the game, Frank? It's it's pretty standard, isn't it? Like at the end of a playoff game where one team is losing, there, there's going to be some kind of pushback, whether it's a hit or a scrum in front of the net. In that case, it's, it's in the corner. But um, listen, that's Matthew Kachuk. That's what he does. He's going to take two punches at Mitch Marner, and, and Mitch Marner is probably not going to punch back. I think we've we, we're we're okay with that, and we understand that that's the the scenario. And Morgan Riley gets hit at the end of the game. I think it was Brandon Montour who, who hits him. Like, yeah, you also need to protect yourself a little bit in that situation. Like, you can't just expect people to let up on you. Um, it's it, it's going to be a physical kind of ending to the series at some point. And you can see it kind of building up through the game. Like that Radko Gudis hit on David Camp, that's probably a penalty. Like the whistle had no, gone. It's not probably. It is. It's, 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 it's a penalty. Yeah. It's a penalty. But because Florida was going to the power play, it's like, oh, we can't even that one up. Carlo, how are you feeling about your boy Alex Petrangelo today? How many games do you think he's getting? I, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised either way. If he's going to get anything, he's going to get a game, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's just a fine. 
That's um, I, I think it's I think it's crazy to think that that's just a fine. Like he he basically tickled the ceiling with his stick and then yeah. hammered it down on Leon Dreisaitl's wrist. Right. <laughs> well, I, look, but, I I think I, I said it earlier, and people can say what they want. I'm not sitting here defending a friend of mine. I'm I'm calling it how it is. This is how I would call anything. I've watched this series very closely, and if you go through every game. Edmonton has been taking liberties at Petrangelo, and there was three instances oh, yeah. in last of game course. where you know there's four minutes left, and again Vander Kane blows him up from behind, and that's just him basically saying I'm sick and tired of guys taking liberties on me. Yeah. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a shot here at one of their best players, and yeah, is it a vicious slash? It is, but if it was an intent to injure, I can tell you right now, he would have found a way to injure him. Like, he's a very calculated guy. He would have found a way to catch him right on the wrist. I thought that was right on the forearm. I think Dreisaitl knew it, too. The way his rea- his reaction afterwards probably explained it as well, too, where he was telling everybody on his teammates and on his bench, saying, no, guys, I'm good. Don't worry about it. You don't need to go answer the bell for me. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. I, I Again, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a fine just because of the way department player safeties handle things before. But I also wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it's a one-game suspension. So if you missed what happened in the game, Edmonton, first of all, wins 4-1. That series is tied 2-2 going back to Vegas tomorrow night in Game 5. But the game was out of hand. It's 4-1. Evander Kane hits Petrangelo from behind. Uh, nobody on Vegas liked it, nor should they have. And then shortly thereafter, Petrangelo sees Dreisaitl and just whacks him, as Frankie intimated, over the head, kind of a lumberjack-type slash. Mm. Uh, he gets penalized at the end of the game. Darnell Nurse goes and fights Hag, so it was crazy at the end. But the Darnell Nurse play has implications as well because he got an instigator penalty, and if you do that at the at the final horn, you are eligible. I guess I think you're actually qualified for a one-game suspension. It's automatic. Yeah. So well, I think what happens ultimately here, Frank, is that both Petrangelo and Nurse get one game. I think that's what's going to yeah. happen. It's an even up, and, and, that, and they'll move on and play game five without either of those two defensemen. And, and isn't that exactly what we've been seeing this playoffs? It's like we can't have anyone getting too much of an advantage because that's not really fair. We need to keep things close. But, and so, okay, so just Frankie, let's be honest. If the referees have better control in that game, none of this stuff happens. You can say that for a lot of games this right. postseason. It's, this is not like we, we don't need to turn this into a whole referee referendum because we, we know what playoffs is all about. And, and we understand that there's going to be calls missed. There's going to be calls we don't like. And uh, the emotions of the game get to everyone. But this is this is playoffs, man. Like this is kind of what we've been hoping to see is, is that emotion in the game and uh, players kind of leaving it all on the ice. And, and just to bring it back to the Leafs. Like, that was a team last night, Carlo and AK, that didn't want their season to end. And, and that was a game where if, if you watch it, there's nowhere to hide. Because and you love to see check, that. Every, every back check was going to be magnified. Every puck battle. Like, every, everything in that game was going to be looked upon with a, a closer lens. And they answered the bell, man. Like that's, and now the challenge for them is going to be, how do you replicate that? Because that's an emotional win. That's one that takes a lot out of you. And now you got to do it again on Friday night on home ice. You haven't won at home yet in this series. Like it, it, It's going to be another tall task. But if they play that way, like the template is there. If they can find a way to play with that kind of desperation, that kind of urgency, they will win game five at home. And now it's on. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's how they have to look at it. That's Frank Corrado here on First Stop. 
And I think the segment is fitting name, D to D, considering how the Toronto Maple Leafs D played last night. All those block shots, that Luke Shen breakup of that Carter Verhage opportunity with two minutes left was absolutely huge. I thought Mark Giordano had some big moments. Uh, what did you make of the new look D group, Frank? And do you think that's something they look to replicate here in game five? Absolutely. I thought it was excellent. I thought Luke Shen was such a beast last night. You talk about the block shots, that play he makes on Carter Verhage, that's not just a game saver. Like In the grand scheme of things, if the Leafs do their part here in Game 5 and continue to push ahead, that could be a series saver. Like That's how big that kind of play was. But I, I just have a lot of admiration for the fact that that group, as a decor, committed to blocking so many shots when you know who's in net behind you. And Joseph Wall's a very good young goaltender, but he's exactly that. He's a young goaltender, and that's a huge moment. And at no point in that game did I think that they left him out to dry or didn't give him all they had. Um, and, and even their ability to move the puck last night, like Luke yeah. Shen is the first player that comes to mind where, you know, there's one poise. play, I believe it's it, it's in the third period. It's exactly that, Carlo. It's poise. It's like, all right, no, I don't see it's up the wall. Oh, but it just opened in the middle of the ice. Now I'm going to mm. sling a pass right up the middle. It's like that's the kind of stuff where – you, you, you always talk about the physicality, the emotion. Well, how about being able to make a play under pressure? Like, that's just as important. That's something that can break a game open for you. And I thought Luke Shen did a great job of that. And Morgan Riley has been playing his best hockey of the year. And he's playing it with Luke Shen. And I don't think that's an accident. I, I think that's that's on, like, that's happening because of the way Luke Shen is able to kind of um, clear some space for him in the D zone. Or just allow the person get Morgan Riley the ball. Just... Exactly. Just it allows Morgan Riley, it frees him up to get involved in the play a little bit more. That's been a great D pairing. And um, like Mark Giordano, watching him play, there's obviously something that's not right with him. Like he's not moving the way he was in the regular season. And I don't think that's just him being 39 years of age. But man, that's a guy leaving it all on the line. And that was a really admirable job by that decor. I still go back to the conversation I had at the trade deadline with Bruce Boudreau. And I asked him, because the Leafs had acquired Luke Shen, I said, so give me your thoughts on Luke. He goes, Luke Shen revived Quinn Hughes' season when we paired him with him. He said Quinn Hughes' season took off. I said, interesting. He goes, why? He goes, because he just plays a simple game. And I knew right away. That's why I've I've always been so complimental of of the of the uh, of the of the acquisition for Luke Shen. Everyone's saying, "Oh, he's just a depth guy." I go, he's more than that, man. Trust me. Like, there's a guy that bring a physical presence, but he's come a long way because he's just accepted playing a simple game. I would have on never this team, thought he's more than go ahead, that. Frank. Sorry, go AK, ahead, but but just one thing, like on that, Carlo. You had D partners where they were unpredictable, I'm sure. And you were like, mm -hmm. man, I don't know where he is right now or I don't know where he's going to be. And I bet you had D partners where you knew exactly they were what they were going to be. You knew exactly what their game was all about. And you probably loved playing with those guys. And they probably weren't very fancy. But at the end of the night, you played your 22, 25 shifts, whatever it is. And you guys looked at each other and you said, good job tonight, man. That was a good game. And we had fun out there. Like, that's mm -hmm. the difference playing with a guy like that. You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of First Up, tune in weekday mornings from 6 till 10. This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. Bless you, boys! 
And with that, let's bring in Dave Beschuk of the Toronto Star, who had one of the most heat headlines I've ever seen in my life after Game 3. It was amazing, Dave. The Maple Leafs are who we thought they were, a failed experiment not built for the playoffs. I I love when you bring that heat, Dave. I really do. Thanks, Julia. Well, you know, look, I mean, I I got a lot of Leafs fans in my life that have loved this team, uh, you know, since before I was born. And you know, and you you didn't have to be like a a genius uh, temperature reader to understand the frustration level uh, in Leafs Nation after that Game Three no show by the Maple Leafs. And and look, that article wasn't necessarily just a reaction to one game. Yep. Obviously, it was it was, a, it was a look at their playoff record going back to the beginning of the Matthews Marner era. And it was 48 games, you know, at that point. And you know, they had the lowest winning percentage of any. NHL team that had been in the playoffs at least 40 games over that span. There's 15 teams in that group, and they're dead last in winning percentage in the playoffs among that group. So I think if you look over the long haul, you know, these these guys haven't been able to perform. Now, if they performed like they performed last night uh, on a very regular basis, suddenly you think very differently about this team. Uh, And, but it is, you know, I would love to get your guys' take, and I've listened to the show. But the psychological aspect of this is amazing to me because we've seen this team struggle to get it over the finish line, struggle to close. You know, they won, they lost those five straight winner take all games. The the only team in all the professional sports to lose five straight winner take all games in the playoffs before they could get over that hump uh, in game six against Tampa this year. But what is it about this team guys? where as soon as they're written off, as soon as they realize that nobody believes in them anymore, like they, like when they were down 3 you know, three nothing against Columbus in game four and they stormed back uh, to, to, to force overtime and win the game, or when they were down 3-1 to Boston in, in 2018 in the series and they stormed back to force a game seven. What is it about this team where when they're written off, suddenly they become really good? Well, I mean, you could even look at certain games where that seems to be the case. Like, remember the Columbus series in Game 4? They were down, I think, like 3 nothing or 3-1 late in the third period, and all of a sudden, they show up. And it's like, where was this? Yeah. It just seems like the efforts always comes a little bit too late, kind of, in a way, and they always do eventually show up, but it's like, okay, why did it take this long for it to happen? It's like they, they wait until they're the underdogs to officially show up. Yeah, and maybe it's expectations that, that weigh on them, and maybe maybe being the favorite in a series uh, is, is onerous on them. You know, they they were clearly after Boston was eliminated, and we walked in that dressing room after they'd beaten Tampa, and people were talking about, "Hey, do you guys notice you're you're listed as the Stanley Cup favorite in the a lot of the sports books?" And hey, did you guys realize that the draw has opened up for you? And and they were trying to downplay that, but they understood it. They they heard it, and you you wonder what what how that plays with your with your uh, with your ability to focus on the situation and and sort of bring yourself back to reality because clearly they've had some problems doing that. But again, you know who who knows what it is. But I will say this: if you're Sheldon Keith, you got to think. Well, <laughs> I mean, if we can get it once, why can't we get it three more times? Because we they've proven they can do it. And I agree with Craig, you know, in, the, in your previous segment, it, it's about the simplicity of the game, like not, not making the dumb mistakes, making the simple plays, not putting yourself in tough positions. It, it reminded me, guys, I don't know if you guys feel the same way. It's obviously two different animals, the regular season and the playoffs, but the way the team played in the 15 games without Morgan Riley this year, mm. where they, they sort of morphed into one of the best defensive teams. I think they were the first or second best defensive team in the league 
over that stretch, depending, depending on how you measure it. Uh, you know, they were playing a very simple game. They were not taking a lot of chances. They realized, you know, we're a little undermanned on the defensive side of the puck. We have to be, we have to be smart. And I thought that was a very smart game they played last night. They've proven they can play smart like that more often than just one game, but now they're going to have to do it uh, three more times. Yeah, so we just had Jarrett Stoll on, and he was part of that Kings team that completed the feat to come all the way back from 3 nothing. He, he kind of paused when we asked how he did it, and he said, well, it depends on what kind of team you had, and he was referencing the real veteran presence on that L.A. team. In your mind, um, does this Leafs team have anything to prove that they have the kind of team that could come all the way back here? Well, they haven't proven anything, obviously, in terms of in terms of coming back. They've proven they can come back from three one and force a game seven against Boston. They've proven and they've proven they ha- they can perform when nobody believes in them, and maybe that's the situation they're in right now. Um, but I will say this: they, like they've got you know they've got elements there. Like if you want to believe in the in the sort of long history of, of magical rookie goaltenders yeah. in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Like, Joe Wall was very impressive last night. He, he, he is, you know, I've spent a little bit of time hanging around his locker stall during these playoffs, and, and uh, you know, he's a very calm individual, which, which is, you know, I think, I think a good thing. I think he was very calm in his presence in yeah. the net last night. Jonas Siegel just put out a whole piece on, on his meditation routine, so we'll all yeah, have to implement yeah. that before Game 5. Yeah, no, I was listening. I was, I was, I was in, in on a bit of that interview with with, with Jonas was doing with uh, Joe Wall about the about the meditation aspect of it all, and and there's something to be said for that, man. Like there's there's yeah. a lot to be said for, you know, Paul Maurice said it earlier in the playoffs, right at the beginning of the series. He talked about how as a coach you want you want one of two kind of goalies. You want the veteran who's got all the scars and, and has been hardened by them, or you want the guy who has basically has no clue where he is. And just like, you know, he's, he's oblivious to it all. And, and, you know, generally a rookie who's never been through it before and doesn't really even understand how significant it is because he thinks he's getting, like most rookies, he thinks he's going to play in the NHL for 15 years and have many of these experiences. And, and, and this is just another one. And it doesn't, it doesn't weigh too heavy. They, they don't build it up to be bigger than it is. Uh, they just go out there and play their game. And I think Joe Wall looked like he was doing that last night. Now, that said, I think we would all agree that the team protected him very well. He wasn't he wasn't put out on an island at all. He wasn't he wasn't hung out to dry. He was he was given a pretty, you know, doable job and he did it well. So that's a great sign. And I think that's you know, that's where you start. You start with the idea that you're gonna have to do something special. Joe Wall's gonna have to do something special in all likelihood if you're gonna be able to come back and uh and and it's gonna take way more than all that. And it wouldn't hurt guys to score more than two yes. goals yeah. in one of these next games. Well, that's why, too, you know, as as amazing as that game was last night and how well that I think they played defensively, there was a little left to be desired in the offensive zone. Like, there wasn't many shot attempts. I thought going into the game, like a lot of the shot props, I was, I was taking the overs on just thinking their season's on the line. Like, they're going to be shooting everything, just making an absolute shooting range out there. And we didn't really see that. And I don't know, I, I kind of... Still want to see that offense still come to light, and, and you know I, I understand that they're maybe focusing a little bit more on playing defensively and making sure that they don't allow Joe Wall to be bombarded. But at the same time, I don't think you you could rely on you know only getting one goal against for this next three games. They got to find a way to get some more offense. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird, right? Like I was just talking to my buddy Randy Robles at the Elias Sports Bureau, who do a lot of the stats for almost every professional sport and, and, and Randy was pointing out this is this is the highest scoring playoffs 
since 92, 93 so far. Mm. So the, the six, like the, there's been an, if you're not, if you're not just watching the Maple Leafs play, cause you wouldn't believe it if you were watching the Maple Leafs play. But if you, if you look beyond the Maple Leafs, there's a lot of scoring going on in the playoffs. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's something we haven't seen in quite some time in terms of the scoring rate. And yet the Maple Leafs in these last six games is two weeks now where they scored two goals in, in every, each of their most six recent games. A, that does put a lot of pressure on your goaltender. Uh, and B, it's tough to win. I think teams, teams that score two or less goals in the playoffs right now are, are, are something like six and 47 in the win loss columns. So, and the Leafs have got two of those wins because obviously they, they won game six against Tampa only scoring two goals. Uh, so, so it can be done. It's just hard to do. Uh, and you got to believe, considering they are, you know, the second highest regular season scoring team, since Matthews and Martin has arrived, only Tampa scored more uh, in those seven seasons. You, you got to believe they got it in them. But I, I do think the thing is, guys, like we've seen this before, like in that 15-game stretch without Morgan Riley where they played a simpler brand of hockey that was very good defensively, they didn't score that much either. And I think it's been hard for them to, to kind of bridge that, bridge that gap between being really smart and conservative and common sense defensively and also – being able to open up, you know, some kind of a tap on the offensive end. They've, they've had a hard time doing both. Yeah, something in me believes that once they start, well, it's the nature of who Bobrovsky is, his streakiness. Something in me believes if they could start getting him to drop for one game, it'll open the floodgates somehow. Yeah, you know what? Hey, he's like he, That's the thing with Sergei Bobrovsky, right? Yeah. He can be very, very good. He can be a, a two-time Vesna winner, and he can be uh, the guy who's – you know, been really tough to beat against the Leafs so far, but he could also be the guy that completely mails it in, lets in nine goals, and 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 goes to the beach, right? Like it. You know, yeah, it'll be interesting to see that, with the travel yeah, and it, such. It'll be interesting to see, but you got to like to to AB's point, like you got to put more pressure on him. You got to, and I do think they showed like the goal that Marner scored. There was, you know, O'Reilly was in front of the net. They had traffic. You, like they were doing that against Tampa really well early in the series too, right? Uh, and and they got and they started scoring more than two goals and and they were they were able to get some tips and they were able to get some dirty goals and and that's how you sort of that's how you break a team that's how you break a goaltender right that's how you turn Vasilevsky into just another guy if his eyes are taken away if there's traffic in front if if there's chaos in front of him suddenly he goes from being a Vesna winner to just a guy who's looking at it saying my D's not doing their job and I, how am I supposed to stop all these right and so. They got, that's that's a lot to ask, I know, because it's not it's not the Toronto Maple Leafs' strength to be you know a high traffic garbage goal team, but I'll tell you what, it seems to be a formula that wins in this league. No, especially at this time of year it is is more in particular when uh, when that formula works. I do want to pick up on on Mitch Marner in particular though, because I thought that you know as the game went on, you started to see the real Mitch Marner kind of show up here, you know, and I thought in the third period he was really good. Obviously, gets the game-winning goal, but that's just you know the sh- the confidence of you know walking the blue line and finding a way to to get a, a shot through and just putting it on net. That's more so the things that we were seeing in round one. Um, him finally arriving in this series. How much can that really spark and ignite this group? Well, it's it's, it's essential, right? If you're gonna if you're gonna come back, you're gonna need going to need all your best guys to be your best guys, and then, and that was obviously a heartening sign for, for the Maple Leafs to see Marner come back. I mean, there's nobody that wears the pressure of being a Maple Leaf, uh, you know, more onerously than Mitch does at times, uh, but there's nobody who plays with more joy when it's going well and, and, and shows the, the beauty of being a Maple Leaf. 
than Marner, in, in my opinion. So, you know, he's, he's kind of that dueling, uh, dueling presence out there. And when it's not going well, he can look like, you know, the weight of the world is on his shoulders and he'd rather be anywhere else but on the ice. And then when he gets rolling, he's, 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 he's a sight to behold. And, you know, a, a Selkie nominee for a good reason and a first-team, uh, second-team right winger for a lot of different reasons. And, and so they need the guy that is all those good things and, and not the guy who – you know, takes the pressure in such a uh, such a hard way sometimes, and and maybe you saw just a glimpse of it, you know, last night and toward the end of that game, and obviously with the goal he scored, and and maybe he can carry that forward, and he's certainly going to need to if the Maple Leafs have any hope of, of getting through here. Yeah, I guess for all the criticism that all the Maple Leafs' best players are really, really similar, Mitch Marner and William Nylander could not be more polar opposite when it comes to their mental approach to games. The way that Mitch wears everything. Um, so personally, and the way that William Nylander plays so freely, I, I kind of like the way he said it's going to be really fun, game four, and then he, he backed it up with his play, Dave. Yeah, you know, Will, Willie's a cool dude, and, and, and cool, cool cool in many dude. different ways, and yep. the furious people, and we've, hey, we've documented all the all the strange plays Willie makes sometimes, uh, going back to earlier in the series where, you know, he's, he's Seems to have a, a clear lane to Bobrovsky, and he turns it back toward the blue line and dishes off to Austin Matthews. Turns a high danger chance into a low danger chance, and and that stuff you know makes people want to pull their hair out, and it makes people want to want to yeah. trade William Nylander, right? And and you understand why they want to trade William Nylander at times. And then last night he does he does what he does, and and you're like, wow, you know, if he if he can give us that on a more regular basis, why would you ever trade a guy like that? He's, he's one of the great values in the league. He's, He's, but he's that's, an indispensable piece. It's it, it is funny because you know we 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 tried our best not to get into any post mortem talk because the Leafs still have a chance of fighting chance. But you know I think there's an acknowledgement here that if things go south, there's clearly going to need to be some sort of change in this core four. Will not I, I don't think they can come back next year. Somebody has to go, and and a lot of people bring up William Nylander as that player, and it's like, ah, but you see what he can be, and, and that's what's so yeah. frustrating about Willie. It's just the inconsistencies and, and his ability to turn it on and turn it off. And it's like when he's here, he can really, really bring this team far. But when he's not there and when his game is, is, is off, he turns that switch off, it, it, it really frustrates you that that's the type of player he is. Yeah, for sure it does. And that, you know, it obviously frustrates everybody involved in the organization. Uh, but they've been supportive of the guy. I mean, they, look, they, these guys have gotten – the people that run this organization have gone to bat for William Nylander yeah. again and again and again, even though, you know, people people like me and other reporters around the league are, are always wondering when, when they're talking about players in the Maple Leafs, you know, what, what does everybody think of this guy? And, and certainly there are executives in this league who would tell you they'd never take him on their team because they don't like that intermittent effort. They don't like the fact that you're not sure what you're going to get. Uh, and they, and as much as you, you may not get as much upside from other players of lesser skill, you, you know, that you're going to get more reliability and more, you know, sort of predictability in terms of the type of performance you're going to get from them. Um, and so, but there are other, look, I know there's, there's, he's a divisive guy. He's a, there are many uh, different opinions about William Nylander around the league. There are, there are a lot of people who who would take him on the team and believe that they could change him a little bit, right? They could they could get more out of him than, than Toronto's gotten out of him. He, maybe he needs to be challenged more. Because certainly, I'll say this: you know, the Maple Leafs were challenged heading into last night's game. They, they had you had everybody in this town, you know, questioning what they had left in them and whether or not they could ever kind of get up, you know, get up off that mat from from a three zero deficit. 
and at least give a respectable performance in Game 4. And obviously people hope for a lot more than that uh, heading into Game 5 tomorrow here in Toronto. But, you know, I'll give him that. Like, for just living in the moment today, you know, William Nylander accepted the challenge last night, and he delivered. You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of Leafs Lunch, tune in weekdays from noon till 2. The Leafs have won it! They're going to the second round! This is the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. Holy Mackinac! It was a great game, and they got a lot to build on. Do they have enough to take it back home and say, now we can really get their attention? Much like Matthew Kachuk said in Boston where he said, remember this building because we're coming back here. Can they do that? Can they pull it off? Because if they can get the win tomorrow night, then you're going to get their attention because they're probably saying, you know what, our goaltender is going to be good. And Matthew Kachuk's been very quiet for them in the last couple of games. It's not like he is the dominant player as of right now that he was all throughout the beginning of the first round and into the first couple of games. So they got their attention, but they, can they continue it? And it was just like, it was just work. Well, they have I, know to. The ca- I know the captain said there was some execution. He always loves saying execute. That wasn't about execution last night, man. They just worked their asses off. And if you look at the goals, William Nylander just went to the net. Mitch Barner just shot it on net. And I think sometimes they think they have to in pressure situations. They've, they've got so much weight on them. They think they have to stick handle it and make the best moves on the planet to have that end-to-end goal. It's, it's just not that. They just have to show up oh. and, and do something positive on the score sheet, and they got it done. Can well, they continue it? We'll see tomorrow night. Commitment, too. Like, you got to put ice, ice bags on after a playoff win sometimes. And 21 shots they blocked. Like that, that That's to me is the, the difference. Story last night. I thought that that for me that was a storyline yep. to me because I thought the commitment to helping out a kid in net, like that, you could tell they were dialed in defensively. And then yes, you take your chances offensively, but getting in the lanes, making it difficult to get a clean shot away. You know, I thought Joseph Wall played well, but he didn't have to dominate last night. He made a couple really key saves at key times, which I liked. I thought he had tremendous poise. There's nothing negative to say about it. It's more about, I just think the team did a good job. When you give up, I counted four quality chances. Maybe there was a couple other, but I I would say when you give up that low amount of quality looks, that says that you were dialed in defensively. And that's where I, I, you know, that's something to build off of. But, yes, it's still Mary Swanson, still lots of uh, – and, so and I don't believe – I'll say this. They're playing the lip service game because Ryan O'Reilly saying the pressure's on them. I don't – like, actually, the pressure's on the Leafs, not on Florida. You know, Florida's had four chances. Now it's down to three chances to close out. The Leafs don't have any chances. They – they're on their ninth live. So I don't know where the pressure shifts. Maybe it shifts after. I think they after win tomorrow, tomorrow night. night. Yeah, I've been saying that for a couple of days, sir. I put the two games together. Like the Leafs, I think it gets to 3 2. You've really got their attention. You're flying back to Florida and, and bags are packed and you're playing a hockey game again. That all of a sudden switches psychologically. Like, let's not forget, Florida just won six games in a row in the playoffs. They just won six in a row albeit right. over the course of two different series, but they just did it. 
They beat Boston three times in a row. They beat the Leafs three times in a row. Well, the Leafs just have to beat them now three times in a row. It's still a very daunting task. It was a very low event game on both sides last night. But ultimately, if the Leafs show up, regardless of how they play tomorrow night, if they get a result, I think the pressure really flips. Because then Florida's going to be thinking, you know, now history's on the line. Like, if you blow it, we always talk about the four teams that came back. There's also the other four that choked it away, right? You can't mention the Kings without mentioning San Jose choked it away. You can't mention Philly without saying, well, the Bruins choked it away. Who we're not having that conversation yet. <laughs> Who did that? it in nine? What team did it in 1924? It was 1942, I think. Whatever. I don't yeah. remember who the Leafs came back. <laughs> well, on. it's I, obviously one of five other teams, right? It, so. Yeah. Put me down for one. Maybe Chicago. Maybe it was Detroit. <laughs> Let's call it Chicago. You Let's choked say it Chicago. Off. 1942. Yeah. One of those two teams. Um, but it's not there yet. But I think tomorrow is is – if you leave that rink, it's long overdue for them to get a win. Like, this is what was really evident. It's a pretty wild stat. The Leafs have played 10 games now in the playoffs. They're 4-1 and one on the road. They're 1-4 and four at home. And you can look at that both ways going into the game tomorrow. You can look at it glass half empty. They shrink up at home. They get nervous at home. I don't know. Is it the energy in the crowd or lack thereof? Something goes against them. That's glass half empty that it could apply tomorrow night. Glass half full is at some point that's got to turn, right? At some point, you got to show up in your home barn and come out flying. And I will, I will credit them for their defensive effort. You referenced the amount of block shots because that's the difficult way to win. You win, you win six five, and it's a shinny game. Like that can just be you got some bounces, you got some offensive chances, a couple breakaways. Yep. You know, it's still a win. But it may be a win where you feel like, well, we didn't really leave it on the line. It was just both goalies were terrible. To win in the fashion the Leafs did last night is like a very difficult way to grind out a playoff win. But very necessary at the same time. Yeah, and that's and what that, it was that, last that night. is game. a blueprint for them going forward. We, we, we referenced before on this show the stretch they had in Edmonton where they went in there and spanked them, I think, three times in a row. And – We've talked also about the different ways you got to win if you're going to go on a run. They've had the comeback wins against Tampa Bay, the overtime victories. Can they bottle what they did last night and string their best as far as effort and all the other things, the block shots? Can they put a run together because that would be their blueprint to win games? Maybe they have that approach tomorrow night and they blow them out. Who knows? It's just... They've got something there. They just have to do it again, even better tomorrow night. Well, and then they might scare say. Florida a little bit. It's got to be better. Like, honestly, it, as much as you like last night's game, it's got to be 25% more because you know Florida's going to try and adjust too. I thought they passed up. I thought they played not to lose last night. They they played like they had four chances at it. Yeah. And they, they were passing up shots on goal. They were trying to make cute plays. They, you know, and, and like I say, they did get a lot of possession time as far as shooting pucks. It was blocked, which is good. But that's – I think Florida's going to have a bigger effort. The Leafs have to have a bigger effort too because it's – you build on that, but a 2-1 game tomorrow – to your point, Hayes, it might be a 5-4 game. It might be yep. high event game. It's probably overdue on for yeah. one of those. And they right? got two guys get off the schneid last night in the series. There's another two guys waiting, and you throw Ryan O'Reilly in there, maybe he can kick in some offense. So there's some cards that are 
stacked in the deck for them that can come alive tomorrow and be a, ma- a massive factor in the game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's that's the way, you know, you can send a message tomorrow night is if you come out flying, it feels like we say this before every game, but, you know, there's an explosion of offense that you would think would be there. It's not like the Leafs had a ton of great chances. Either team really had a ton of great chances. It was no. a very low event game last night. And Bobrovsky, again, only gives up two. And at some point, you would think, like, that game's there for him to kind of implode. And that doesn't mean he's just going to fall off a cliff and be awful. But at some point, you would think this guy's been so steady, so good. They've been very defensively sound that if you can if you can break through that, like if you if you can win big tomorrow night, it doesn't matter how you win. But if you win big, then it's even more about like momentum and pressure. And, you know, the Leafs are due for that. I think for their fans, like their home fans, there's a lot of people that pay a lot of money to go to these games at home. And they've been terrible at home. Like, they're 1-4. The one win they had, game two against Tampa, and that was a blowout. Like, they showed up to play early and often. You know, they had their foot on the gas right from puck drop. But 1-4, it just it, – that that cannot continue. Like, yeah. it cannot continue. Nor does it you, make you, sense. It well, doesn't we... make sense for a good team that was very good on home ice all year. And, la- and listen, they were very sound defensively all year as well. Like, team defense was, was a, a positive for them throughout the year and, and again it showed up last night and it was necessary because of who was in net right like I, I really liked what I saw at a wall and I'm, I'm not a goalie expert by any means but to me he looks comfortable he's going tomorrow night um, I'd be curious to see what they would do if Samsonov was back at 100% but he's not um, so Wall's going to play and yeah. we'll see now this is another first Okay, you're starting a, a home game in the playoffs what do you got but there's no reason to believe his composure is just going to fade. He looks like a pretty seasoned veteran. I give him a lot of credit. Looked really good last night. Jamie, night. if Samsonov came to the team and said, I'm healthy, I'm ready to go tomorrow night, and you were having to relay information to the head coach as the goalie coach, what would you say? I would say start Wool, but the only reason being is just you want to you want to bottle up, and, and that goes back to the old school thinking as to – if it isn't broken, don't try and fix it. You go with the same roster. You go with what worked for you last night, and it's got no slight on Samsonov. Even take a look at Samsonov's home record. Mm-hmm. And for the most part, the playoffs are a little bit shaky. It is what it is. But, you know, it, it's it's more just like I like what I saw at a wall, but, like, this is the thing. The moment at some point might get him. Like, they, the team has to play, you know, continue to improve in front of him. I thought they played great in front of him last night. But he's going to have to make some – he's going to probably have to have a better game than he did last night. He'll probably be tested this, more. Exactly. Right? That's what I mean. Not not like I thought he was brilliant last night, but, I mean, he's going to face some quality chances. He's going to – you know, Florida, instead of trying to pass it back door, they're going to take that shot from the slot. Like, you know, that uh, – Shen made a great play with the stick on Verhage. Oh, that was a great but, but play. But if Verhage shoots there, that's a hell of a shot. You're in a pretty good shooting position there yep. from a slot shot from a 40 goal scorer. So instead of him trying to get cued or change his angle, you know he might fire that shot. So that's where I think Wool's going to need another. That every moment is a, a testing moment for him because he hasn't gone through that process. So you know we'll see. But the team has to respond for him too and. Yeah, they got to play like they did last night defensively. Yep. Like blocking shots is is mandatory in the playoffs. Playing physically, I thought again they made a lot of plays around the crease. 
Very positive. You referenced that Luke Shen play on Verhage late. Um, and, you know, that's got to grow, and they got to – whatever confidence they found, specifically out of their best players last night, is something that, that they need to hope uh, has come alive. And I, I would look at Mitch Marner as a key example there. I thought he was nervous, and he just faded into the game in the first period. I didn't really notice him much. If anything, it was a turnover here or there. I thought by the third period he looked like himself. I thought he was really, really a positive player with the puck on his stick. I thought he looked comfortable. Um, the goal he scored was a meat and potatoes goal, but that's fine. Like, who cares? You know, just throw it on net. But he was he is a, he is such an important piece because he plays every possible situation. Like, and he's he's got to exude confidence and he's got to impose a will on every single game. And I thought he got better as the night went on. And I thought by the third period he was great. And it was needed, right? He's been called out for a couple of days now. People not loving some of his quotes, not loving his approach, the way he played in game three, it speaks for itself. Um, that is something that needs to be bottled moving forward. You know, how he played in the third has to continue because if it does, then the offense can start to possibly develop the puck possession, plays with the puck. You know, just he's got to be – he's got to exceed even what you would expect in the regular season. Like, that's the nature of the playoffs. Well, you have to. He's just got to – It gotta, has to happen. But for me, he's just got to play faster. Like, I, I think – I thought I saw that in the third. Like, right, I thought he was no, really, maybe really goal, good. There's maybe no that goal helped him out and he's over the hump and he just says, you know what, I just got to go out and play. But, who but knows? Like, what I mean about playing faster is just – like, he's a guy who likes to slow the game down, turn and stuff. There's no room out there. You're going to get hit. And that's where the, the start of the game, he looked a little timid again. But then he started to realize, like, I'll make a little quick fa- – like, I, I always say that that pass to Matthews to start that comeback, that – like, that was vintage Marner. Game four that, Tampa you're that, talking. That tra- yeah. Yes. That translates to the playoffs. Quick little spin. Still high sc- – executing it quick so that you – the defenders can't react. Even the right goal now, last night, I think, is an example of that, Noodles. Sure. Like, he had ice. In the regular season, he maybe just, you know, keeps doing the looking edge work. Looking for an option. And yeah, looking exactly. for an option. Instead, he just said, I'm putting this on net. But, and it's a CNI shot that gets through, and it's the game winner. But that's and, what I mean by, like, it's no, it's just, he's a guy that's not overly physical, doesn't, in the regular season at all, really want contact not that anybody does so when when there is time and space that's limited he has to find a way around it and and that's where like you say third period against tampa there were pockets where it's like okay i can do he knows what to do he knows exactly his vision it's just figuring that out and there will be adaptation from florida as well i i you know it'd be interesting to see what they do a little bit different now it's on the road matchups all of that fun Mm -hmm. stuff but you know, Leafs are going to have hey, their hands alive. full. Yep, exactly. They're alive. They could have rolled tomorrow. over last night. You're listening to the All In Leafs Playoffs Podcast. The best Leafs content from TSN 1050, all in one place. To hear more of Overdrive, tune in weekdays from 4 to 7.